afternoon and welcome to Mediascope, the programme for and about the public relations, event management and journalism industries. I'm Ellen Gunning from the Global Institute for Public Relations and you're very welcome to the programme. Now, on this week's show, I'm chatting with Jay Reid, Strategy Director at CORE, about targeting university students with advertising. Thanks for taking my call, Jay. No problem, Ellen. Happy to be here. Well, now, CORE are the experts in advertising. You're the strategy director, which must make you the guru. So let me start by asking you, why on earth are university students such a key audience for advertisers? They're all as poor as church mice, aren't they? <laughs> well, I think the, the first thing we should probably think about is the size of this audience. Um, so this year, people under 25 will make up 41% of the world's population. Now, that figure is a little bit lower in Ireland. I think it's around 33%, but you're still talking about one in every three people in the country um, being under 25. That's a lot so of people. First, exactly. So first and foremost, the importance of the segment, I think, comes from its, its sheer size and volume. But they really don't have my disposable income, or do they? Uh, no, they definitely have less spending power than older generations do. Um, so I think probably just to help the conversation along, when we're talking about college students, really the segment we're talking about here would be generations ahead or, or Gen Z, as they're kind of more commonly referred to, which is the generational cohort that follows millennials. Um, so they're born kind of the late 1990s um, up to the early 2010s, right? Um, and as we all know, millennials, um, from a wealth perspective, lag far, far behind Gen X and even further behind boomers. And Gen Z are themselves behind the millennials. So from a spending power perspective, um, yeah, they, they don't have a ton of money in their back pocket, but there are kind of three reasons why that youth segment continues to be an important uh, demographic for brands um, and, and will always probably be an important demographic for brands. So the first one um, is that if you can acquire a customer when they're uh, relatively young, um, you, you will enjoy a higher lifetime value um, from that customer, right? So if we take an example, say, of the banks, the banks uh, classically put a lot of effort and uh, resources into targeting college students uh, in terms of uh, current accounts specifically. So they want college college students to open up uh, current accounts with them and nobody else. Now, that's not because current accounts are profitable for the banks, actually. The opposite is, is true. They That's exactly what I was thinking, money. yeah. Yes, yes. Now, but the um, the play there really is it's kind of like the old lost leaders that the supermarkets used to run, right? So they'd lose money on the bread and milk, but they get you in for your full shop, um, and that's where they make their money back. So the the idea with the banks um, and other brands is that if you acquire um, a youth target audience, so take the, the bank, for example, they get their current account with you, they're more likely then to take out, say, their first credit card with you. And so just to be divilsome, I know you said there were three areas now and they were still on the first, but just to be divilsome, mm-hmm. do, does that still hold? Because it used to be that um, they would say to you years back, if once you joined a bank, you never really moved. So you, you mm-hmm. stayed with that bank throughout your life. But now you're looking at an older demographic of people, I'm trying to be very PC here, who are now looking <laughs> at things like Revolut, who would have been AIB or Bank of Ireland or Ulster Bank customers that you would have thought would never move. So it, is there is the cold face war between the AIBs and the Revoluts or is has the, that lifetime value shrunken down? Well, really, all the uh, I guess the profitability of a customer for the banks specifically are in um, personal loans and especially mortgages. 
which is something the revolutes of the world um, aren't offering yet. Okay. At least not in, in Ireland, right? So uh, the, the data indicates that people are slightly more likely to, to choose their own bank when it comes to these kind of credit products. Um, now, whether that will hold in the future if we have a major disruption in the market, um, specifically around mortgages, is anyone's guess. Um, but, but for now, it would it would appear to be a valid strategy, at least from the, the bank's perspective. No, no, that's fair enough. So the, the AIBs and the, the Bank of Ireland are still in a battle for that current account piece that Revolut are in at the moment because for them there's much longer term value for where do uh, sorry I'm going off on a tangent here now but how do Revolut make their money then Uh, I'm not sure where Revolut make their money to be honest with you I mean the thing about a lot of startups and a lot of these tech companies is um, they don't make money of course that's true they they just need to get in yeah to get you sort of using the product okay we're we're going off down a rabbit hole here come back to what you were talking about (laughs) youth segment very important for three reasons one is acquire a customer young and you get that lifetime value from them what were the other two Jay? so the second one is um, I suppose it's around the changing of their life stage so this this holds true throughout people's life so when they enter a new life stage so in this case we're talking about moving from kind of being school uh, school students to a university student that's a major life change but it holds for marriage kids etc all those major life stages or major um, milestones throughout life but those uh, life stage changes are actually key moments where people tend to change their purchase preferences um, and the brands that they buy so that these life stage changes and life milestones represent good opportunities for brands to acquire new customers that traditionally may have been their competitors' customers. Oh, that's very interesting. So it's the first time that you've effectively had your own money or whatever. So you're now able to decide which brands you will actually purchase and which, I don't know, cinemas you frequent or uh, pubs you go to or whatever. And at a different stage, your life stage moment of, I don't know, getting married or having children, is it a different set of choices again? I hadn't actually thought of it like that. Okay, so it's their first time that as you say they can decide for themselves where the focus of their spend is going to be exactly and for uh, this segment particularly the college students what we tend to see is people actually move away from a lot of the brands that their parents use so i guess it's it's classic kind of coming of age stuff where <laughs> trying to if it was good own, enough for them it's not good enough for me yeah <laughs> exactly so they're, they're, they're trying to establish their own identity now there are obvious exceptions to that which would notably be uh your kind of food brands so the staples you'd have around the house case okay? so i'm thinking about you know tea brands or the brand of ketchup that you use those things tend to stick with you but um in general, it would hold true that, that they um, they tend to move away from their parents' brands towards, you know, their own set of brands, products and services that, that they prefer. And I suppose that's part of coming out into the world of adulthood uh, from childhood, as you say, leaving school and becoming a university student and just that, that growing up phase. So you leave behind your mom's love of cat kits and then you move on to something else. Mm, that makes sense. Exactly. And what's exactly. your third element then? So the, the third reason is probably the the most simplistic, um, which is they're everybody's future customers, right? So even if um, the under 25s aren't your current target audience or maybe they don't have the spending power um, to buy your product or your service at the moment, um, they will be your customers in five years or 10 years or 15 years or whatever it is. Um, and I think that's probably something marketers need to bear in mind. There's a great 
quote from, uh, I think it was the BMW chief marketing officer at the time, and they said their biggest job is to make sure that people grow up dreaming of owning a BMW. Um, oh, that's so very clever. That's very uh, clever. Yeah. 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 I think it's a lovely way for marketers in general to think about um, at least one aspect of, of what they're trying to do here. So it's not all about selling your uh, widget or your product or your service, selling loads of them tomorrow. Um, it's about making sure in the future there's going to be a high level of demand um, and consideration for that product. So, so that's I, advertising I that's, to a youth market and positioning your brand, if you look at the BMW example, as something that you should aspire to. Rather than we don't expect you to own it now, but we expect that when you start to earn at a certain level, you will think, man, I've always wanted to have one of those. It's very clever because exactly, it, exactly. because it, it's not a selling message. So I presume it's also more easy to deliver, I would assume, you see, knowing nothing about advertising. But tell me something then this. The other big query about this sector is that I would imagine they're very hard to reach. That I know they're on social media, but how do you are there specific platforms? I'm thinking like if you were trying to reach me, you would use all the traditional media, but you would use Joe.ie, her.ie, that kind of stuff. Where do young people go? Are there, are there platforms that advertisers specifically target that are young people rich, to use that expression? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think obviously the actually going through the colleges themselves is, is one way to reach this, this segment. Um, but that's tricky because there's only kind of two ways into the colleges. Uh, and one is through the official channels. Um, so dealing with the college themselves in terms of um, interacting with or communicating to their student base. And the second is through the student unions. The difficulty there for a lot of brands is that those arrangements tend to be exclusive. <clears throat> so you'll only, you'll only be able to um, they'll have one bank on campus. Um, so if they have AIB, uh, Bank of Ireland won't get a look in, et cetera. So they're exclusive um, exclusive deals, uh, which lock out a lot of other brands. So, so the likes actually, of a student union or a college, if there was a, an AIB on campus, they wouldn't even promote a Bank of Ireland to their members. Is that what you're saying? In, in, in general, that would be the, the rule of thumb, yeah. Okay. Um, so if, if the college has a deal with AIB, um, part of that deal would be exclusivity in terms of not working with competitor brands. Now, Which makes sense from an AIB point of view or whoever, yeah. Exactly, exactly. They'll want that ex- exclusivity um, and because they're, um, because they're, you know, in the driving seat, as it were, in terms of making the deal before their competitor did, they get to dictate, dictate these kind of terms. It, it, <coughs> it's, a, it's a good business spin, I get it. What about the... So what are your other options then? So the you said the so, student unions and the official channels, both of which have restrictions or difficulties um, yeah, applying yeah. to them for whatever reason. So where do you find them then? Again, so I think it's um, most brands actually have to go outside of those two kind of on-campus um, options. So as you said, social media and influencers are really the go-to channels, um, go-to channels to reach this this segment. They do over-index in terms of social media usage and they are early adopters of social commerce. Um, so, for example, TikTok is probably something that's very relevant at the moment um, and getting a lot of coverage in terms of who is using TikTok and how can brands use it. Um, so overall, I think they have 30% penetration in the Irish market, so 30% of Irish internet users will use TikTok at least once a month. Now, for this Gen Z cohort or the under 25s, 
the penetration with that group is almost double that. Um, so it's between 50 and 60%. So that'll just give you a sense of how much they over-index on, on these platforms. Um, but I think brands and marketers who want to target this group would do well not to write off more traditional channels um, when they're considering how to reach reach this segment. So in an average month, uh, linear TV, which is your you know plain old um, bog-standard broadcast TV, we're not even talking about your video on demand stuff here, that's going to reach over 80% of this segment in wow. an average month. Mm-hmm. Well, I would have had no, I thought it would have been teeny, a teeny percentage of that yep. cohort of people who watched regular television. So I, I think in general, um, rumours of TV's demise have been greatly exaggerated to, to, to steal a phrase. Um, <laughs> so people tend to be surprised because there's so much uh, doom and gloom or, you know, um, conjecture around the decline of TV uh, in general media uh, that people tend to think it's it's uh, <clears throat> it's on its way out. Excuse me, but it's far far from it. Um, and I think, like your reaction there, most people are surprised that TV is still such a strong way to reach even um, this the younger segment. Very, because it has a really bad press in terms of reaching that kind of audience. Let me take a very quick commercial break and I'll be back to you right after this. You're listening to The Mediascope Show with Ellen Gunning on 103.2 Dublin City FM. Welcome back. I'm chatting with Jay Reid, Strategy Director at CORE, and we're talking about how you reach a younger cohort uh, of an audience, a younger segment. You were saying that TV, 80% of that of young people will watch TV in an average month, which is really surprising. Do they listen to much radio? I shouldn't ask this being on radio, but I'll ask it anyway. Do they listen to much radio? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you'll find that across the board when it comes to the more traditional, above-the-line channels, um, uh, this under-25 audience will be represented quite well now the older generations will over index compared to them mm-hmm. by no means will the likes of tv radio even out of home so 69 percent of gen z report that out of home is a good way of them finding out about new brands and products and services that they they will go on to try so above the line media in general and um, be it tv radio or out of home um, tend to be quite effective with this audience and what about you mentioned influencers how important are influencers? Influencers are uh, they're a tricky thing from a, an advertising and a marketing perspective. Um, there are questions around authenticity and um, relevance. Some people feel that maybe they work with too many brands. Uh, some people feel that maybe it's inauthentic for brands to work with them. But there is no question of the fact that when it comes to reach within this um, under 25 audience, that they do have a very large following um, and their messages can have a big impact in terms of driving uh, sales, but also brand preference, etc. So I think specifically when you're considering a younger audience, influencers will play a key role, but you must be careful to choose the right influencers. Um, it's like when you're considering who your brand should partner with, you take into account all sorts of things um, like the reach that that might give you, but also the history or the profile of the uh, property that you're partnering with, you mm. must take the same approach to, to influencers and make sure that it's a good fit for the brand um, and that it's an authentic fit for the brand. 
I've heard PR people give out that influencers will sign a deal with you and then they're, they're doing a particular product and then as soon as the deal ends they'll move on to take a competitor product and they'll start gushing about that a couple of weeks later and it just it kills the, the authenticity as you say. What about the likes of a TikTok though? You said that 60% of people um, in that age group would be users of TikTok. But that's not really, or is it, commercialised now? Is that something you can actually advertise on? Yeah, so it's it's kind of in its infancy here in Ireland in terms of um, what advertisers can do on the platform. So there are paid um, paid advertising formats on TikTok in Ireland, uh, but they're limited to the extent. Um, so I'm, I'm by no means an expert on TikTok, um, so uh, someone may correct me on this, but... I believe you can do kind of takeovers where you'll have a video ad, which will be the first thing people see when they take when they open the TikTok app. And um, so that's obviously quite a high impact format. Um, okay. And then there are in feed stuff as well. Now the the some of the limitations would be that's not geographically uh, geographically targetable in Ireland yet. So you have to do um, national targeting. You can't get down into say Dublin or Leinster or target specific regions, which can be a challenge for for some brands. Yeah, it's kind of a, a splurge gun effect almost, rather than a, the bow and arrow. Um, let me take you back to the the brands who are targeting these people because you mentioned to me when we were chatting just before we came on air that the League of Credit Unions is currently um, in this space or in this market. And I would have thought they were terribly uncool for young people. But maybe that's just me. Why would the League of Credit Unions target them? Is it that long-term thing again? Is it that BMW piece? Or is it that they're looking for them to join the credit union now? Well, it's it's not necessarily that they're specifically targeting that segment. But um, like other finance brands, they are just aware of the fact that if you can acquire... Um, this youth audience um, from a, an account perspective then you have a better chance of being able to convert them to you know, maybe a personal loan or a mortgage or another more profitable product down the line so um, they're probably just analogous to why the banks target this uh, segment as well Okay, now that makes sense and it, as an item of interest, do we know how much the youth market is worth in Ireland generally? It, it's tricky to get figures in terms of what their actually wealth, actual wealth levels are. Um, it's um, or do we know what char- percentage of kind of overall? I'm just trying to get a, a sort of ballpark on it. Is it four million? Is it forty million? Is it you know? I, I have yeah, no clue about advertising. It's it's difficult. Uh, a lot of the data or charts that you will find into this actually have millennials as the kind of bottom generation that are reported on. Um, and my okay. assumption is the uh, Gen Z is not included or Gen Z is not included because it's um, it's even lower than millennials again um, and probably isn't registering in terms of wealth levels just yet, which makes sense because they're under 25 um, and it's very unlikely for anyone to have built any kind of substantial wealth. wealth no, that's, that that's fair enough. That makes sense. And in terms of the other products then, um, do you get the likes of, I presume like an Apple or a Huawei would be really targeting this market because they all want to carry cool phones or watches or glasses? Yeah, yeah. Um, De- definitely, yeah. Electronics and tech brands um, are definitely one of the one of the kind of categories that will target uh, under 25s. You have fashion brands as well. Um, we, we touched on um, Boohoo um, when we were chatting beforehand. Um, so stuff like that will definitely, um, they'll definitely be targeting this segment. Health and beauty brands also 
travel brands um, will we'll target the youth audience. Um, so those would kind of be the, the main ones. And interestingly, um, there's no Irish data for this, but globally, that seems to align with the kind of percentage of their um, income or spending power that uh, Gen Z would, would spend on those different brands. That's interesting. So they've actually kind of nailed that where they spend their money is travel and health and beauty and electronics and tech. And, and, and our, is that what you're saying? And they're the, the brands that target them most? Exactly, exactly. Um, and, you know, it, it's also interesting probably to consider who's not targeting um, this youth market. So while banks go after them quite heavily in terms of current accounts, um, they are not targeting for the likes of mortgages just yet. Uh, that'll be in five or, or ten years, you know. Uh, car brands tend not to target under 25s um, because they're advertising new cars, which are, are quite Yes, and they're inclined to buy second-hand if they're buying it all, yeah. Exactly. Uh, your insurance and finance brands, so uh, nobody's trying to sell them pensions just yet. So it tends to be most kind of big-ticket, long-term items that uh, don't target this, this youth audience. But as I said towards the beginning, um, maybe more brands should consider targeting them uh, to build consideration when they do become um, viable customers for them. And what about the likes of, you mentioned Three Ireland before when we were chatting, um, and I'm trying to figure out why would a, a Three or any of those mobile phone providers, those telecom companies, I, I get the sense of an Apple and a Huawei and why they would actually target them because they're selling a product that looks cool in your hand. Why would you sell the product which is providing the service to that cool piece of equipment in your hand because I would imagine that that's an audience that moves around an awful lot and as soon as something else appears around the corner that's cheap as chips they've no brand loyalty at all for those kind of services or am I wrong? Um, yeah, Tree is an interesting case study. They just recently relaunched the 48 brand um, which was originally launched I think 12 years ago maybe um, by O2 Telefonica and it targeted kind of 18 to 22 year olds so very much this this youth audience and I, the idea behind it I believe was these guys are always going to be super price sensitive um, you know college students notoriously are so they would shop around for the cheapest kind of um, mobile deal where they'll get all their data they get a few minutes they get free text etc for the lowest possible price point per month so the thinking behind it was if they're going to do that um, and they're going to leave our network and go to a competitor to do that why don't we have a, a sister brand um, where we we take those people instead of them going to a competitor? And then ideally, as they get older and as they become more financially secure, we can cross them back over into the into the parent brand and get them back on to a you know a higher price point brand as their finances. Improve. It's a clever move. So it's a an option that is only available to people within a particular age bracket. Um, well, I think legally they couldn't actually do that. But, you know, the advertising and the, the brand positioning was very much targeted towards being appealing to, to that age bracket. I think what's interesting about it from a case study perspective is it, there were kind of two parts to it, right? There was the product proposition, which was um, unlimited data, unlimited text for a very low price point. Now, they could have just launched that product under the parent brand so it could have been an O2 thing or you know more mm-hmm. could have been a, a tree thing but they decided it would be more prudent to launch it um, with a sister brand which is 48 uh, so that the, both the brand and the product proposition could be directly targeted to to this segment and I think it comes back to what we were chatting about towards the start around 
people's kind of change of life stage, leading to a change in the brands that they use, and then looking to establish a bit of their own identity through the brands that they, they prefer and choose. So I think it was a very clever move um, from a branding perspective. And the other thing, it, it's very smart, yeah, because it doesn't cause confusion either. And it doesn't alienate the people who are already with Three Ireland who are saying, why are they offering a special deal? Um, exactly. to, you know, on, over there to younger people. What have they got that I haven't got, which generally alienates people rather than anything else. So very smart exactly. move. The other thing I want to ask you about was things like you've actually created an advertising campaign around cancer and health. And that's something that is obviously as important to young people as it is to people of any age. But it's not something that you generally associate with. Uh, young people as a target for that and yet tell me a bit about the cancer campaign I hadn't come across it I must admit and I thought it was amazing when I looked at it so maybe share with listeners what you've actually done Yeah no problem um, so it, it was an ad for Breast Cancer Ireland um, October is Breast Cancer <coughs> excuse me October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month um, and one of the, the issues that the client was facing um, or Breast Cancer Ireland were facing at the time was 25% of breast cancer diagnoses were in women under 50. Um, so it was affecting quite a lot of younger women. Um, but the assumption among the general population was that breast cancer really only affects older women. So you, you only really need to worry about it and check for it if you are over 50, um, which it couldn't be further from the truth. It kind of doesn't discriminate. It affects women of all ages. So what we did is, is we created an ad um, that kind of turned that assumption on its head um, and kind of there was a mother-daughter pair in the ad um, and they, they sort of received the diagnosis together um, and the assumption of the viewer is that it's the mother who's been diagnosed um, and the daughter is kind of showing support for the mother which is slipped towards the end when we see that it's actually been the daughter who had the diagnosis and underwent treatment. Um, and the message is breast cancer affects women of all ages. So no matter what age you are, you should check. So we did a bit of research to figure out exactly who we needed to speak to. And it was 18 to 25 year olds where incidents of self-check, uh, regular self-checking was lowest and awareness of the signs and symptoms was lowest. So the hope is this campaign will encourage younger women um, to, to more regularly self-check um, and grow their awareness of the signs and symptoms. And through early detections will, will hopefully save lives. If you, I, I suppose it's like anything else, if you put it in front of people, it's such a, a logical thing to do and it takes like a, a picosecond out of your life, but it can make such a difference. But the, when I watched the ad, that's exactly the assumption um, that I made, although I knew you were targeting a youth audience. So if I didn't know that, I definitely would have thought it was the mum. But the breast cancer poster campaigns I know a few years back um, I'm not great for paying attention to these things but I do remember thinking at one stage I was struck by the age profile of the women on their posters and I think they were all 50 plus 55 plus um, there wasn't a young woman on a poster so maybe it's it's new research that has made them kind of really conscious of it it's a it's a fascinating area um, I've learned loads today thank you for sharing all of that I now have a little bit a little bit more of an insight into Gen Z and a big insight into your head which is crammed full of all this information um, Jay Reid thank you so much for joining me today Alan thanks for having me pleasure well now that's all I have for you for this week if you've information you'd like to share with listeners or you have a good story to tell, then send me an email to mediascope at dublincityfm.ie. 
And don't forget, you can hear podcasts of this and previous Mediascope programmes on www.globalinstituteforpr.com. I'm Ellen Gunning. Sound this week was by Fergal Daly. My thanks to Jay Reid and thanks to you for being with me today. I look forward to the pleasure of your company at the same time next week. So until then, goodbye.